Good morning. Good morning. Awesome. My name is Brandon. I'm uh, one of the elders here at Heart of the Father. Today, I'm the only one here also. Uh, Jeremiah and Barry are in Israel. And Dave uh, Vespa, he's on his, I think, 33rd anniversary trip. So him and Julia, I think they went to Georgia. He texted me last night saying the Warriors were going to lose. And I told him, why are you trying to stir up trouble the night before I preached, Dave? <laughs> so, um, but they're all doing good. Um, for those of you who don't know, my wife, just we just had our second child about two weeks ago. And uh, she's doing well. She'll be out for a couple more weeks uh, just taking care of the baby. His name is Ezekiel Darius. Um, he's, a, he's a blessing. Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, oh gosh, I see myself in him. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's happening. So we're, we're thankful uh, for him and uh, he's healthy. Um, Allison's doing well. Uh, continue to pray for Josie. She's learning that she has to share now, and she has to share mommy and daddy and all that stuff, so pray for her. And, but also, I want to say that there's been a couple other babies born, uh, Mac and Kaylin Fowler. I don't know if they're here, but they had a little girl, Eloise, um, Luke and Gospel. They had Joanna um, in the back, so we, I think we had three babies born within, what, one week, I believe, so that's a lot of babies. The Lord is moving in our marriages. Amen. Well, I have a message for us today. I believe the Lord has just been speaking to me this week. I want to be faithful to share what I believe he's saying to us. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is the title is Take Heed How You Build. Take heed how you build. That reference is in 1 Corinthians. If you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew 16, we will launch from there. Matthew 16, and you can just hold your place there. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, I thank you for your written word. God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You are the one who reveals Christ. You testify in human vessels of Jesus Christ. You glorify him. There's no one more zealous there's no one who loves Jesus more than you, Holy Spirit. So I ask this morning that you would reveal the Son of Man to us, that you would use me and use the Word to build, to establish. Would you come and would you bring a blessing to our body here at Heart of the Father? We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, uh, as we've had our second child... And even in preparing for our child number two, um, I've tried to take some time to really sit down with the Lord and just try to cut out all the distractions and just say, Lord, what's important to you? What's important to you, Lord? Because there's, there's so many things that are important. There's so many, like, opportunities for ministry. There's so many movement. There's so many like things that we could just get involved in. There's so many things we could start up this ministry, start that ministry. I mean, it's just never ending. There's so many things we could do for the Lord. But I'm asking him, Lord, what, what is important to you? If you could just narrow it down to one thing, that would be extremely helpful to me. So he, here's what he, he leads me to, Matthew 17, it's in Mark 9, and in Luke 9, you don't have to go there, <clears throat> but it's when Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
And what does the father say? He says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So, Father, what's important to you? Listen to him. Other translations will say, listen and obey and yield to him. Another one says, always listen to him. And I'm like, okay, Lord, thank you. That's so helpful. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, what are you saying? What are you doing? And I'm like thinking through the Gospels, and there's, which one is it, Lord? I thought we narrowed it down to listen to him, and then you read the Gospels, and there's a lot of things that Jesus says and that are really, really important to him. And I'm like, Jesus, which one is it? Because remember, I want to simplify my life. Jeremiah did an interview with Dr. Brown, and his last question, if you hadn't had a chance to watch it, he asked Dr. Brown, what, what would you encourage someone who's going after revival and awakening in the Lord? What would you say to them? And Dr. Brown says this, slow down. Slow down and go deep in God. It's not about like trying to cover all this land and territory. It's like slow down, go deep in God. So there's, I mean, it's just been a word for me in my life. Brandon, slow down, find out what's really important to the Lord. And so I'm looking at the Gospels, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, what, what's important to you? It leads us to Matthew 16. Looking at verse 13. We're going to read verses 13 through 19. I'm reading the New King James Version. Jesus came into the region of Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am? So they said to him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to him, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys, the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Did you catch it there? What is important to Jesus? What is he doing? It's in verse 18. He says, Peter, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. This is what the Lord led me to. Jesus, what are you doing? If you could just single down all the activities in the kingdom of God to one thing, what is it? I will build my church. There's only a handful of times in the Gospels that Jesus uses the phrase, I will. So when he says it, we better pay attention because we, we can miss it. There's plenty to do. He says, I will build my church. And I begin to ask myself, Brandon, what are you doing? Are you into this? Are you into what Jesus is doing? He's been doing it for over 2,000 years. He has been building his church. I want to take a moment, though. I wanted to define church. I know there are probably a billion ideas of what church is. So I went online this past week. Dictionary.com. I looked it up. What does dictionary.com say that church is? 
Here's what it says. It says, the church is a building for public Christian worship. That was the very first definition it gave. It's a building for public Christian worship. So right now, we are in agreement with dictionary.com. The second definition it gave, public, it's, the church is public worship of God in such a building. So it just switched it around. It said it's a building for public worship. It's public worship in a building. Well, there's an issue with that. If you look at Ephesians 5, don't go there. <clears throat> I'm just going to read off what Ephesians 5 talks about. It talks about Christ and his relationship with the church. And if the church is a building, here's what Ephesians 5 sounds like. Christ is the head of the building. He is the savior of the building. The building is subject to Christ. Christ loves the building. Christ gave himself for the building. Christ sanctifies the building with the word. Christ cleanses the building with the word. The building will not have spot or wrinkle. The building will be holy without blemish. The Lord nourishes the building. The Lord cherishes the building. This is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the building. Thank you, dictionary.com. You just defined church for me. What's also interesting, if you look at the origin, they tell you the origin of certain words. Well, the origin, it says all this information, but to put it in a nutshell, it says the word church came from Old English. It says nothing about Christ. It says nothing about the Bible. And then one of the synonyms for the word church on dictionary.com List about 10 of them. One of them on there was a mosque. So they're saying, what we're doing now, we are worshiping Allah. Can be in comparison to that. Does this not offend you? Jesus died for his church. He died for us. And dictionary.com just lays it out as it's just the building. So the Lord, for 2,000 years, he ascends to the Father, sends the Holy Spirit to build buildings. I think we're doing okay so far in, in America if we want to judge it by that standard. we got a lot of buildings. <clears throat> but let's look at the word church according to the Bible. Let's see if there's any difference. Here's one of the primary meanings of the word church, which is ecclesia in the Bible. The church is an assembly called out from and called to. The second one, the church is a people called of God. The third one, the church is a gathering together of God's people. Notice it left out a word here. It says nothing about a building. But it's an assembly called out from and called to. So what does that mean, Brandon? What, give me an example. Well, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, the Lord called them out from Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. For you and me, the Lord called us out of darkness into light. So the church is a body of believers who are gathered together in the Lord's name. So when we read Ephesians 5, it may sound a little better. Christ is the head of the people. He is the Savior of the people. The people are subject to Christ. Christ loves his people. He gave himself for his people. He sanctifies his people with the word. He cherishes. He nourishes. So if Jesus says, I will build my church, what is he saying? He's saying, I will build a people. 
for me, only for me, not for a building, not for worshiping Allah, but for me who will worship my name. It's going to build a people. And so in my heart, Lord, I'm, I'm committing my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I'm committed to you, so I'm committed to your cause. I'm committed to whatever you want to do, I'll do it. He says, well, great. Build my people up. So what's your life mission? What's your life goal? Is it what Matthew 16 reveals? Are you into building people up? Take heed how you build. Are we just going to build ministries and exciting programs, or are we going to build the people of God? So my message today, it's on our community. It's about us here in this room. And the Lord is calling us to come a little closer together. I just had this picture in my mind, us, everyone standing up and just squeezing in the center section together. There's no open seats in between us. So today, it may be a little more awkward before it gets better. talking about family. We're talking about relationships, which sometimes can be awkward. Me, personally, there's something about me, I'm kind of maybe weird, but there's something about me, I just, I kind of like awkward moments where you just look at someone and you just smile. So this morning, as a community, Heart of the Father ministry, we're not here to build Heart of the Father ministry. We're here to build the people of God up. So, so people ask me too, okay, discipleship, pastor, hi, w- discipleship, what do you do? How do you do it? What, what's, the, what's the thing? And I'm like, well, we could do a program. We could start like, you know, a little thing, you know, meet at the building and do this stuff. Or discipleship is just life rubbing up against life. If you ask me what discipleship is, I will most likely tell you that. It's life rubbing up against life. It's shoulder rubbing up against shoulder. You don't need a building. You don't need a corporate name. You just find someone Just rub shoulders together for a little bit. There you go, Isaiah. But that's kind of awkward. We talk about life together. It's going to be a little bit awkward. Are we willing to to do this, though? Because we can have our meetings. We can have powerful Sunday, Wednesday services. Praise the Lord. I love them. But what is happening throughout the week? Is there any life in here? If this building were to crash and burn, what would happen? Honestly, I, in my heart, I'm like, Lord, I don't know if we have any internal structure of relationships built to where this building crashes and burns. We will probably honestly just all disperse. Everyone just go to your little home or find your little group and just... It's be a good time to transition to some other church. And but seriously, how are our relationships with one another? Here's what Chris Johnson has to say about this. He says, when one has counted the cost of entering into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ by acknowledging him as both Lord and Savior, he then is also committed to that which Jesus has purposed and desired to build, his church. If we are obligated to Christ, then we are likewise obligated to his cause. His cause is the building of his church. The church is not an organization. 
The church is not a building or a structural edifice. The church of Jesus Christ is his people. So how's that for our life vision? Lord, you've sent me as a forerunner to build the people up. Who's excited to sign up this morning? Well, it starts tomorrow morning. Going to work. You know, Tim was talking about revival. He read Acts 2. There's something in there that stands out to me. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Lord added 3,000 to the, to the church, to the body of believers. But it says a couple things. They met in the temple. They met in synagogues. They met in houses. But it says they lived with simplicity of heart. We need that. What if revival came and it actually simplified our life? That's what I want. I don't want revival and then it's just like we just do a thousand meetings a week. According to Acts 2, simplicity of heart. So when Bob Gladstone was here this past weekend for our Israel conference, he said something that stood out to me. I don't know if you caught it, if you were here. He said, the DNA of the New Testament church is what? Family. He said, the DNA of the New Testament church is family. Well, why is that? I think it's because God has revealed himself as what in the New Testament? As father. And if he's a father, he has children. And if there is a father and there's children, there's sisters, there's brothers, that makes us what? Oh, you guys didn't sound too confident saying that. Don't say it begrudgingly. That makes us family. We have the same bloodline, Christ. We're family in here. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm coming closer. Coming closer. It's awkward, huh? So God reveals himself as Father in the New Testament over 230, or around 230 times. The word brethren or brother is used. So we are being joined together. We are being knit together. We are being built up together. In Ephesians, the Ephesians is known as the epistle of ascension. If you want to go up in Christ, if you want to get connected to the spiritual realm, read Ephesians. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. The predestination of the Lord calling us sons and daughters. I love Ephesians. But I'm looking at it this past week and I'm realizing one of the greatest revelations in that book and what he talks about numerous times is the body of Christ being one and being unified and being together. So we're asking God for a spirit of wisdom and revelation of who he is. And what's he say? I am the Lord and the Lord is one. And he's calling all of us in here in this room together to be one. And Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family on earth and heaven is named. He says we're a family right in the middle of the book. Family. But here's the interesting part. We've got two words here. We've got church, body of believers, ecclesia, and we've got family. And so the DNA of the New Testament church is Family. 
Well, if you look in our culture today, I couldn't think of two other words that people despise more. Some of us are in the room. You say the word church. The synonym for the word church is hurt. Church hurt. Then you say the word family. The synonym for family is dysfunction. Church hurt, family dysfunction. No, thank you. It's a bunch of superficial people. They're fake. Just smile and we go to church and just kind of get it over with. We go to the family reunion, just kind of hide in the back, don't want to stir up anything. It's a, it's a mess. The devil has done a really good job of distorting these two words, these two realities, church and family. They're just it's two awkward peas in a pod. It just does not seem to go together. But this is what the father is doing. This is what he told his son to do. Build me a people under my name who are my family. So are we committed to Christ and his cause? Are we committed to one another? In Acts 2, it says certain phrases. It says that they were all together. They had all things in common. They divided goods among anyone who had need. They were with one accord. In Acts 4, it says they were of one heart and one soul. It says that no one said anything he possessed was his own. They had all things in common. No one lacked. They distributed to each one who had need. What if that's your calling, to seek and search out those who have need in our community here? Mary and Diane have been sharing in the parenting class on Wednesdays that they taught their children when they get, in, when they get into a, a group setting, a big setting, to go and find the one who is in the corner and no one is around. That's the one the Lord wants. So they literally, they train their kids to do that. I'm thinking, my mind is getting blown like, what? I need to do that. Because what we'll do is we come into a room and it's like, okay, who's the most important one? The man on the stage. Okay, let's gather around him. If I can just get his attention, if he can just look at me or give me a word, and I'll feel better. But what if we were really walking as Jesus walked? Anytime we get into a big room, a big corporate setting, I want to find the one no one wants to talk to. I want to find the one that smells not very good. Is, is that in us? Is the mind of Christ in us? That's Jesus. That's his mind. When we gather together, he's like, I want to find the weakest one in the room. And I want to build that one up. Where is he? Where is she? Who in here? Who is that? I want to pray for you. So the Father this morning, he's calling us to get a little closer. But obviously, it's easier said than done. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. As you're turning there, I have a, it's a short story that my wife was okay with me sharing. Hey, anytime I share a story now, I got to make sure it's okay. My heart is not to, is to never expose anyone or hurt anyone. Paul says, Corinthians twice, he says, The authority the Lord has given me is for your edification, not for your destruction. So, remember when Alice and I first started dating... Part of my background is 
So I'm mixed. My dad's black. My mom's white. And I was raised by the black side of my family. And so it's cultural differences. So Alice and I are dating. I remember I go to Cliff and Jan's house and I experienced something I've never experienced before. And I'm, I'm being sincere. So we're, I don't know if it was a holiday or something, but Jan, she, will, she is excellent at hospitality, and she will yes. hospitalize you up, seriously. <clears throat> don't blush. <laughs> so we're meeting and, you know, just hanging out, and the food's getting ready, and then she's getting the table ready. And I'm like, okay, the table, and I, but I noticed there's no TV in the room. So that said, the way I was raised, get-togethers, you get your food, you go wherever a TV's at, and you just sit with your, you know, sit with your fam and just laugh and just do whatever, and you kind of watch TV and get real loud, and it's just kind of crazy, and everyone's talking, and, you know, what's going on? I don't know. But we, so we do this, we sit at the table, and I'm like, okay. A little, for me, is a little awkward, because I had never had a family dinner like this before. Never. Just wasn't raised that way. And then I remember looking down and I saw two forks. <laughs> I was like, I only need one. So there were some differences, the way I was raised versus what I was encountering and experiencing. And at first, it was, it was a little awkward. For them, I'm sure they were totally fine. Allison was fine. For me, I'm just like this wrestle in my heart. of got two forks at the table. Which one do I use? One's bigger than the other? And but then I sat there, and I'm like, man come to the conclusion that this is right. You sit at the table, you look at each other in the eyes, have a meal together. No TV, no phone, no distractions. As awkward as it is, it feels right. And then there's a side where Allison comes to my side of the family. (laughs) And uh, we're at my brother's house, and Kids are kind of running around, playing, whatever, and brother orders some pizza. And, you know, get your own food, get your own plate, find it, come sit down. And we were watching Martin on BET. <laughs> you guys know what Martin is? Okay. If you don't know, just you can talk, we can talk later. We're watching Martin, and, you know, Allison, I look over, she seems to be doing fine in the moment. And then we get in the car, and she's like, Brandon, what was that? <laughs> and I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, what was, we just had pizza, and watched a little TV, watched Martin. You never seen Martin before? Like, she's like, no. <laughs> so it was a little awkward. We talked through it, and, you know. But that's a little piece of family. The family dynamics and community is that we all have some tendencies. We, have, we all have our ways. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7. Listen to what it says. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences or diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now what is obvious, there's one word that stands out. It's the word diversities, which could be 
various kinds or difference. Another word could be divisions. Before we hit that, though, look at that verse 7. It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. This is how awesome our Father is in heaven. The, the manifestation or the demonstrations of the Holy Spirit have been given to each one. The word each one literally means each time always. So each time someone joins the family of God, the Father always releases gifts to them. So some of us are, man, I don't know my gifts. I don't have one. It's not important. It's not really effective. No, no, no. Each time someone is in Christ, the Father always releases gifts. He always does it. There's never been a human being that's been born that can say, God, you haven't given me anything. Can't find anyone. He always does it. He is a father. He has something for each one of his children. Do you know what that is for your life? Do you know what it is? You, must, you have to become familiar with the anointing and the gifting on your life. Mike Bickle says that we need to become familiar with the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our hearts. You want to exercise gifts and, and ministry and all those things? Become familiar with the Holy Spirit. You have to. It's not just like, oh, I need to get energy and get worked up. No, you can be still and you can be shy and the Holy Spirit can come upon you and you can move in a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Each time, always. But there are diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, diversities of activities. So we know the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the different ministries, the fivefold ministries. There are those of us in the room who are more pastoral. Some are who, who are prophetic. Some are evangelistic. Some are teachers. Some are apostolic. And then there are diversity of activities. And they come from God. An, another way to say it is that there are different operations. And part of that operation, God gives divine energy for you to do something. But I want to look at this in light of a certain word. So there are divisions of gifts and ministries and activities. Look over at verse 25. He says that there should be no schism or there should be no division in the body. So, Lord, you're saying there are divisions of gifts, ministries, and activities, and there should be no division in the body. That doesn't make sense. What are you saying? Father, what is your heart? Well, the word division in verse 25, there should be no schisms or division among you. It means there should be no tears. So there's different functions. There's diversities. There's various kinds from the Father, but there should never be a tear in the body. Never. He does not want that. So where are the tears in your relationship with those around you? That's why Jesus says when you come to the altar with your gift and you remember you have something against someone, leave it there, go fix it, and come back. He doesn't want any tears here in our local community. Unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy. He does not want that for us. And so, I know Jeremiah over the years has done profound teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the ministries, the activities. We are a, a local community of believers where I believe in the foundation. There's Christ. And then there's what he is doing. I think there are a lot of us here who exercise spiritual gifts. 
who can do the work of the ministry. We have quality and spirit-filled people here. And sometimes those differences come to the forefront where I think we should do this or I think we should do that or where is this or where is that? Or, you know, preach on this, preach on that. And these are really valid things to bring up. But verse 25 reveals something, and I believe the Lord is speaking this to us. Verse 25, 1 Corinthians 12, there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same, what's it say? Care for one another. There should be no division among us as we're exercising gifts and ministries are growing and people are transitioning and shifting and things are just growing and flourishing. That's great. Praise God. We want that. We want the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But then one thing we should have to prevent division here among us is what? Do you care? That's it. That's what he says. Do you care? Yes, I know that person is not like you, but do you care about them? It's not really tricky. It's, it's not super revelatory. It's do you care? How much do you care? I mean, we say the word family, we say the word we're a church. Is that just lip service or do you care? Last week, Scott Volk, too, he came up here and he, it just it hit me. And I'm like, oh, gosh, like that, that's so true. He's like, the name of this ministry, Heart of the Father Ministry. And it just kind of hit me like I've never heard it before. Like, if I saw a church named Heart of the Father Ministry, if they get anything right, I would think they probably understand and walk in a strong revelation of the Father's heart. Is that me or do you have a witness, one or two? I just need one or two witnesses. That's all. Hello. So the people of Lakeland in Central Florida, they look at our church and say, oh, man, look at that church. Man, they must really care. But then I wonder, well, if you walk in here, if I can't say hey to you or get to know you, I hope someone else will. Who in here is willing to lay some roots down and say, I care, I want to get to know you? I'm into building the church, building the people of God. The title of my message, Take Heed How You Build. I, I, can't, I can't get off that question. Do you care? It says, but that the members should have the same care. They should. But the reality is, they don't. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing just a really small dosage of this, but I, two kids, you, you know, Josie sometimes will just, you know, jump on the bed and Zeke's right there and she just kind of, you know, lands on him. Like, oh gosh, no, no. She doesn't really care, like, where he's, she's not thinking about him. It's like, I want mommy, I want daddy, I want to get up there and, you know, hang out. She just jumps right in, has no regard for what's around her. Josie, <laughs> we're going to send her to Diane's house for a little bit. <laughs> but we gather together, whether we're in this building, you take someone to lunch, someone comes to your home, do you care? Someone's probably saying, well, Brandon, thank you. This is a super pastoral message. We, I just love the pastoral ministry. No, no, no. beloved, this is the gospel. This isn't a certain, just kind of fit it in a little 
avenue, that's where it's at. This is the gospel. This is the Bible. There's a quote someone says, that people hurt in isolation, but they heal in communities. That people hurt in isolation, but they heal in communities. Raul gave me that quote from someone. So, we want to call people into our fellowship and call them into Christ and to build them up. So my question would be, can you help heal them? You don't always have to call the pastor. What can you do? If you would say, I don't know what to do, that's okay. Let us come and equip you. Ephesians talks about fivefold ministers equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the first thing it says. Now, whether we're doing a good job of that, we can talk about it. But if you're not equipped, then what are you doing in Christ? Fifty-nine times. The New Testament talks about one another and our relationship with one another, our dynamics with one another. Be at peace with one another. I'm not going to read them all. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another with the holy kiss. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourself. I could keep reading. Jesus said he's coming, and he says, I will build my church. Have you signed up to do that yet? It's not about a building, a structure. Although we'll use it. When I first came to Heart of the Father, there was a, a lingo, and it was this. We will use the ministry to build people and not use the people to build a ministry. Take heed how you build. Are we just going to use people and build something unto ourselves? Or are we going to use the ministry, use the giftings, use these things that we have and the Lord has given us to actually invest in someone? Here's what I wrote down. I felt this in my heart for this message. I feel like the Lord just speaking to me, and here's how I would say it. Do not build off of ministries, functions, gifts, activities, titles, or names, but build out of a love-filled heart and relationships. Be joined together knit together, fit it together, and this will cause growth of the body into a holy temple in the Lord. So are we willing to do this? It's going to be awkward. It means just finding someone, searching someone out, saying, hey, I have a heart for you. 
Can we just begin to meet? Can I take you to lunch? Can I sit by you at church? How can I make an investment in you? Do you need something? How can I help you? And what's interesting, Ephesians, it talks about being knitted together, being joined together. When that happens, it says that it causes growth of the body. So the closer we get, the more we grow within our own hearts and minds, grow spiritually, but also I think we would grow numerically. Is that not what happened in Acts? They were devoted to one another. They ate together. They prayed together. They did everything together in Acts 2. And then the last thing it says is that the Lord added to them daily. So we, we have this mindset that if we just maybe do more, like start more ministries. We're not reaching people. Start ministries. Now... Start them. What do you want to do? Okay, do it. What do you want to do? Okay, do it. What do you want to do? Okay, do it. And then we'll reach all of Lakeland. No, no, no. It says be joined together. Let's go there. I don't think you guys believe me. <laughs> go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 4, verse 16. Ephesians 4, verse 16 says, Being joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So joined and knit together actually causes growth. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Notice we're, being, we're built on one another, Jesus, or Peter, talks about the church being living stones. There are a bunch of stones here in the room. These stones are actually alive. He didn't say dead stones, living stones. And he, the Lord places each one on top of the other as he sees, sees fit. So whether someone's on top of you or below you, you're still fitted together. Verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It actually grows. So, like, can we get this out of our psyche that we, we have to do more ministries in order to grow more? There's, there's so this For me, it all goes back to what I said at the beginning. Lord, I just want to simplify my life. What is important to you? I have several things that are important to me. But when I stand before you, those won't matter. You are going to ask me and talk to me about what was important to you. And Jesus, you said you will build your church. So, Lord, I don't understand what that looks like. I don't know all the dynamics, but I just jumped right in. I started edifying and building people up. Diane shared something again on Wednesday night. She said the, 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 the dynamics of Matthew 7, that many will prophesy, cast out demons, do the work of the ministry, but then it's, the Lord says, I never knew you. And so it was like they were keeping tally. All right, Lord, all right, Lord, Lord. Here's my resume. Here's what I did on the earth. And then you go to Matthew 5, 
when the Lord separates the sheep from the goats, the sheep had no idea they were doing the Lord's work. The Lord says, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was alone, I had no clothes, and you gave me drink, you gave me food, you visited me, and you gave me clothes. And they're like, Lord, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're, what are you saying? I don't get it. And he's like, yeah, you actually built the church. You actually edified people. You actually care. Instead of just writing down all the prophetic words and all the words of wisdom and words of knowledge, all that stuff, instead of writing those down, you actually put it down and you actually got involved in someone's life. That's what is important to him. I mean, I'm literally thinking this, this past week, Lord, what would happen if we didn't have a building? Are there any relationships in here? Are we connected together at the heart level? Are we willing to get over some of our differences? I know for me, honestly, I've learned to embrace difference. I love it now. Part of it was just being here at Heart of the Father where you have so-and-so preaching each day. It's just a different flow of who's preaching. And then I marry Allison, comes from a different background than me. And she's a musician and singer, and I, could, I, don't, I don't have any type of gifting in that. She plays the keys. I have no idea how to play the keys. But you know what? I embrace it. It's like, Father, this is your touch, your mark on her life. I'm not going to get jealous about it. I'm not going to despise and get all bitter about it. I'm going to embrace it. So each time she's leading worship, whether corporately or at home or doing her, you know, meeting with the worship team, I look at it as, it, I look at it as an opportunity to bear fruit by serving them. I can't play, can't sing, but I'm going to find, Lord, how can I serve? Okay, I'll just get this food ready. Jan's hospitality is rubbing off on me. But, but it doesn't matter what it looks like. It does not. So Jesus, he's building the ecclesia. He's building the people of God. What are you building? So my altar call today Take someone to lunch. Invite someone over for dinner this week. Ask the Lord, Lord, who is on your heart? Whether there's any connections, whether we have anything relatable, doesn't matter. I think sometimes the Lord will send us someone who just rubs us all wrong. Just to reveal how conceited we are, how self-righteous, how self-serving. He'll just send you someone that just... At first I thought that was Raul for me, but... But then, but then I realized it was Mick. <laughs> yeah. guys stand with me. The DNA of the New Testament church is family. <clears throat> Heart of the Father ministry, this community is going on to its eighth year this year. I've been thinking about the foundation in this church. And I believe Jesus Christ is the foundation of this church. Who he is and what he says is the foundation of this church. I believe it. Now we actually have to build something. But we don't want to build with more Ministries, more functions, more gifts. No, no, no. 
We want to build with relationship. We want to build with love in our hearts. Let me read this one last scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But what remains? Love never fails. So Lisa's just going to play something. If you want to sit and let the Lord just kind of speak to you, I believe he just wants to narrow us down into what is he doing, what's he saying. Because there's so many things that we can get involved with. So if you want to sit, you can. If you want to come to the altar, that's fine. If you want to head out, that's fine. But the altar call today, take someone to lunch. Meet with someone. Ask the Lord to help us to care for each other. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for what you're doing and that you desire to build. And you will use us to build your people. That, Lord, we will not be a dictionary.com definition of church, but we will be the ecclesia. We will love one another as Christ loves each one of us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come and fill us. Would you move upon us? Would you convict us on how to live? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Love you all. Have a good day.